Open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Um, as you know, or maybe you're brand new, I always meet so many new people that show up on Mother's Day. Welcome to Gospel City Church. Maybe you're joining us online. Welcome to you. Thanks for joining us. But if you're not familiar with the way that we handle the Bible around here, um, one of the things that we like to say is the sermon always starts with the same three words. Those three words are... Open your Bible and we go verse by verse through sections of the Bible. We're doing that in the book of 2 Timothy, but sometimes the verses are so rich, you have to slow down and go word by word. And that's what we're doing today. Some of you that may not be as familiar with the Bible may think of the Bible as just a bunch of lists of do's and don'ts. The Bible is so much more about that. The Bible's all about the heart. The Bible's all about what you love, but every now and then you run across, run across a list. Today we're going to look at a list. The list has 17 items on it. Now, I'm going to free some of you up. How many of you are furious note takers in church? How many of you, your pencils are flying right now, even just writing down the introduction of what I've said? I'm gonna give you the Sunday off. I've already taken all of the notes for you. It's already been emailed to you if you receive the Gospel City Church uh, Gazette. You received that in your inbox this morning. There is a link you can click on because the 17 items on the list have 17 contrasting values on the other side. So if you're paying attention, you just heard me announce that you are going to hear a 34-point message this morning. And it's Mother's Day. If anybody asks you what the pastor preached on Mother's Day at Gospel City Church, all you have to say is he preached on love. Isn't that a great subject for Mother's Day? So the sermon is all about love this morning. You see, the list that we're about to look at shows us what our hearts truly love. All right, so I'm preparing you for this list, and I'm trying to get you ready uh, to, to receive the list here. Now let's go ahead and read here the first verse of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Micah introduced this to you last week, but notice what the Apostle Paul is saying to this young man, this young pastor, Timothy. He says, but understand this. In other words, you're going to have to think. You, I'm, you can't just passively sit and process this list. You're going to have to understand some stuff. Comprehend, understand this. In the last days, there will be, there will come times of difficulty. How many of you think it's getting more difficult? How many of you think that we're maybe in the final days of the last days? Micah told you this last week, but in biblical terms, the last days began with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We've been in the last days for 2,000 years. But in the last of the last days, it's going to get harder. It's going to become more difficult for people who love God to operate in a world that does not. And that's what this list is all about. So, verse 2 begins to give us the list. Be before I read it, let, let me just remind you of some things that Micah told us last week. He introduced us to these, these false teachers. Do you remember these guys? Do you remember these guys? 
These guys are threats to the church. And Mike has said, we've got Henry the heretic. He, he, he teaches false doctrine. You got Charlatan Charles. He's so smooth. It was his words, but he just really wants your money. He's a prosperity preacher. You got prophetess Peggy that's always coming up with some new revelation that, you know, that she doesn't believe the Bible's sufficient, so she makes up new stuff. This is easy, uh, easy ears Eddie. He just makes you want to feel good. And you go home to church being happy, but not necessarily holy. You got uh, speculating Spencer, who's always just thinking about intellectual arguments and, and always finding new ways to define words that were commonly accepted as God's word. So these guys are a threat to the church. But can I be honest with you? And Micah would agree with this. If these guys ever make it to this pulpit, the elders of your church have already failed you. These guys are not the greatest threat to Gospel City Church. But let me tell you who is. The greatest threat to our church is people who are lovers of self while believing they are lovers of God. You know what all those false teachers have in common? What are they teaching? They're teaching you to love yourself. And although they will probably never make it to the pulpit of Gospel City Church, their pulpits show up on your social media accounts. Their pulpits are in philosophy classrooms in colleges. Their pulpits are in movies that you consume all through the week before you ever hear anything from this pulpit. So there's a way that those prophets get into our ears and teach us to love ourselves. And then you come and hear something from this pulpit that is trying to help you become a lover of God. How many of you would say, I'm a lover of God, I love God. Raise your hand along with me if you say, I love God. Be, be, be bold and it's like, some of you are like, I don't really, but I just like the peer pressure thing, so I better raise my hand. I was like, okay, good. But how many of you like me are discovering that you are a recovering lover of self? Like every day I find myself, I, I actually am carrying on a lifelong romance with myself. I, I might need to break up with myself at some point. You know, that might do wonderful things for my marriage. If I could actually love my wife as I love myself, if I could love God even more than I love myself. That is what this list is to help us identify. Are you a lover of God or are you a lover of self? The, the reality is we're all in love with ourselves. You're born as a lover of self. These cute little babies up here, as cute as they are, they're dirty, rotten sinners, their parents have already discovered these children love themselves. And they expect me to like center my whole universe around them. They think they're the sun in the center of the solar system and I'm supposed to come and revolve myself around them. And so we're all in love with ourselves. Nobody has to teach you to love yourself. We have to be taught to become lovers of God. Now, now, some of you are already thinking like, wait a minute, this sounds so different than what the world has told me because I was told I'm supposed to love myself. Yes, that's false teaching from the pulpits of the false teachers in the world. Some of you say, well, isn't there a verse in the Bible that's, didn't Jesus say I'm supposed to love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength and love my neighbor as myself. See right there, Trent, it says I'm supposed to love God, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, and I'm supposed to love myself. 
Jesus didn't say there were three great commandments. He said there were two. We've added the third one. What the Bible teaches is not that you're to love yourself. The Bible affirms the fact that you are already in love with yourself. If you could divert the same attention that you give to loving yourself, to loving God, and to loving your neighbor, then you would demonstrate you're a lover of God. You say, what about self-esteem? I mean, I've got this low self-esteem and I need, I need people to, to tell me how wonderful I am and I need to, 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 to think more highly of myself. I need a higher self-esteem. Do you know the Bible never even hints at the fact that you're supposed to have a high self-esteem? The answer to low self-esteem is not high self-esteem. The answer to low self-esteem is self-forgetfulness. So let's look at the list and let's determine whether or not we are lovers of self or lovers of God. I want you to see it here, beginning in verse two. For people will become lovers of self. Do you see that there's underlined lovers of self, circle it, highlight it, bar your wife's lipstick tube, something. Just, just get something on the paper there that helps you never to forget. There's a battle going on in my heart. Do I love myself? Do you see those three words? All right. Now, what follows is a list of 17 different things. I'm, we're going to go very slowly through each one of those, but I don't want you to see it right now. What I want you to do is skip down to the bottom of the list. Look at the end of verse four. Last three words of verse four are lovers of God. There's a contrast. There are lovers of God and lovers of self. Now, everything in between those two phrases is going to help us understand how much I love myself. Before we read the list, understand this. This list is a test of genuine salvation. As we read through this list, if this describes you, if people that know you best would say, that reminds me of you, hear me, you need to be saved. You need to be regenerated by the Spirit of God. You need to repent of loving yourself, embrace Christ's love for you, and receive the forgiveness and grace of God so that you can become a lover of God. This list is also a reminder of the world that we're living in. This list that we're about to read, it's a description of what we encounter when we walk out of this building. Um, it's front page headlines. As a matter of fact, the world celebrates what's on this list. It elevates people who demonstrate these characteristics and they think, man, these people govern. They, they, these, these are great leaders in business and politics. It reminds us that we're exiles. We're living in a land where people don't love lovers of God. People love lovers of self. The list also serves as an explanation for every relational conflict that you've ever had. Anybody experiencing any relational conflict right now? Marriage, family, business, culture, politics. This list explains every relational co uh, conflict. By the way, if you're single here and you're looking for a spouse, do not choose someone on this list. Look for the opposite of this in the person that you're going to marry. And then finally, understand this. This list serves as a mirror for our souls. The greatest mistake you could make in reading this list is to think it's describing somebody else. Without a sense of 
how much you need the Lord, you will think that this is describing someone other than you. Saints will think it's describing sinners. Sinners will think it only applies to saints. Husbands will only see their wives on this list. Wives will only see their husbands. Parents will only see their children. Children will only see their parents. Republicans will only see Democrats. Democrats will only see Republicans. White people will only see people of color. People of color will only see the white people. And pastors will only see their people. And people will only see their pastor. This is a mirror for us. We're all recovering self-lovers. Salvation begins when you admit it, you repent from it, and you begin a journey in loving God. But the process of sanctification continues as God continues to turn our love away from ourselves to the Lord. I don't know about you, I need a daily breakup with myself. How many of you have ever had gone through a tragic breakup, heartache, you've cried your eyes out? You know, you remember you were like nine years old and you know, you had this, this crush on a girl and she ended up with the other guy. You remember how heartbreak, how breaking that was? I mean, it's described in every Taylor Swift lyric that's ever been written. And I have three girls that, you know, have occupied my home with lyrics of Taylor Swift songs. The only purpose I've ever found for a Taylor Swift song is to sing it to myself. You should try it. Get up every morning, put on a Taylor Swift song, look in the mirror and sing these words. I forgot that you existed. It isn't love, it isn't hate, it's just indifference. And we are never, ever, ever getting back together. Like ever. Some of you have no idea what's going on right now because you've never heard a Taylor Swift lyric. That's the only use for a Taylor Swift lyric. All right, so let's read the list. Beginning in verse two. For people will become lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. Verse three, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good. Verse four, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So let's slowly go through each one of these characteristics and let's find out whether we are lovers of self or lovers of God. Here's the first one. Lovers of self love money. Lovers of God give away what they could spend on themselves. A lot of people think that money is the root of all evil. Like, isn't there a Bible verse in there that says that money is the root of all evil? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. This is the most quantifiable thing on the list. Your bank loves you so much that every month they send you a scorecard on how much you love yourself. 
And all you have to do is open the statement to see how much of that which I have been given did I spend loving myself. I don't know about you, I love myself too much to keep all my money. So before my money gets into my greedy little hands so I can spend it on myself, I have to predetermine there's going to be a large chunk of the money that comes to me that I'm going to have to give away so that the money doesn't get a grip on me. That's called predetermined percentage giving. If there was a sufficient number of lovers of God in our church, we would never have any need for money around here. And so if we understood how much a grip on money can get a grip on our love for ourselves, we would give more of it away. Lovers of self love money. Secondly, lovers of self are proud. Just going word by word through the list here. They're proud. The word means to be a braggart. It literally means one whose mouth is too big for his body. This is someone who is so self-absorbed and self-consumed with himself and his achievements, he can't stop talking about it. He is self-promoting, he's self-exalting. And when others don't agree with his opinion about how awesome he is, then he feels like a victim. And then he has to talk about how people don't respect him and people don't pay any attention to him. But lovers of God, by contrast, never lose sight of their deep spiritual need. They understood what Jesus meant when he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. They see themselves as spiritually bankrupt before God. They're needy, they're totally dependent upon grace every day for every moment. The more that we mature in Christ, the more we realized how immature we are. It's the great paradox in the Christian life. The closer you get to God, the further away you realize you are and how much the gap to continue to grow and the continual need. We never get to a place where we exalt ourselves because we're spending our time exalting Christ. Lovers of self are arrogant. Next word, closely related to proud, but it's a little different. It means to have an unwarranted sense of self-importance. And by the way, if you think this is hard to listen to, you ought to have to spend a week in it because God has crushed me. I too often have found my life marked by a low-grade grumbling, feelings of dissatisfaction or a constant complaining because everybody and everything is not focused on making much of me, making me feel important making me feel appreciated, making me feel comfortable. I'm too concerned with appearing respectable. I'm consumed with others thinking about me and my performance. That's why I tend to work so hard. I've got to put more into it so people will not think I'm lazy and I overwork myself. I'm ashamed to admit my limits and my weaknesses. I want to work to protect my image and my reputation because I'm a lover of self. 
But lovers of God have a sense of their own unworthiness to be loved and used by God. The, the attitude of a lover of God is, God, I'm a mess. And yet, I'm so overwhelmed that you would use me and love me anyway. Lovers of self are abusive. But lovers of God create safe environments filled with kindness and grace. This word is the word that we get our word blaspheme from. It means to be verbally abusive. It means that we verbally attack someone who is in the way of loving ourselves. When you love yourself, you verbally belittle people to protect what you love most, yourself. And if you find yourself cussing, your words are filled with profanity, it's flying out of your mouth, it's not because it slipped. It's because you love yourself and you're trying to protect what you love most. And people distance themselves from you because they don't feel safe because you're always using your words as a weapon to cut and belittle. Lovers of God create safe environments where people feel welcomed intentionally into your space. They're safe havens for vulnerable, weak, hurting people to come and be real and experience healing. Lovers of self are disobedient to their parents. Can you believe that's on the list? That's a great verse for Mother's Day, don't you think? Hey, this is what I want us to do right now. If your mother's in the room, no matter where she's sitting, would you stand up right now? If your mother's in the room, stand up. If your mother's in the room, where are you? Look at all these wonderful people here. All right, now I don't know where she is. She may be in another part of the room. Just turn and face her wherever she is. Directionally position your body. Okay, do you see your mother? Make eye contact. Okay, now good. I want you to say these words if you're standing. Say, I love you, mom. All right, mom, say this back to them. Then stop loving yourself. (laughs) There you go. Mom's good at that, isn't she? Good. You guys can have a seat, right? Hey, here's the reality. If you have a problem obeying your parents, it's because you have a problem loving yourself. And if you have a problem with your parents, your problem is actually with God. Because God gives direction and protection in our parents. Lovers of God embrace that. Lovers of God embrace the protection and the direction of God-given authority. Doesn't mean that our parents are always right, but it does mean that we honor, we respect, we revere, and we make it easy on our parents because of our love for God. The problem is is we love ourselves. You know what the problem was with every one of these kids up here? They love themselves. And that's why we don't obey. We we don't want to be told what to do. We want to love ourselves. Lovers of self are ungrateful. Just going verse by verse, word by word, through the list here. Ungrateful. Lovers of self are ungrateful. But lovers of God are thankful that they've been given more than they deserve. I don't know about you, I often ignore how good God has been to me. I feel like I deserve what I see somebody else has. Lovers of self live with this sense of entitlement. And if somebody has something that they don't have, then they think that somebody owes me what that person has. That's because we're ungrateful. 
We're not content with what God provides. Lovers of God are thankful that they've been given anything at all and they recognize I don't deserve anything. If you've been given anything other than a seat in hell, you ought to be grateful. Somebody heard me say that one time. It's like, what, who said anything about a seat? People in hell don't deserve a seat. Oh, you're right, you're right, right. Thankful, grateful. Lovers of God are content knowing that God has promised to provide everything they need. And people in America, come on. We're the richest people on the planet. And yet we are the most discontent people because every commercial, every ad is telling you, you don't have what you need. And they know we love ourselves. And that's why we spend the money on stuff we don't need that can never satisfy. Lovers of self are unholy. Do you see the word unholy on the list? No matter how much you say you love God, if you reject his holy standards communicated through the Holy Bible, impressed upon you by the Holy Spirit, if you reject that, you're not holy. You're a lover of self. If you are engaged in sex outside of marriage, you are engaging in unholy sex. And if you are engaging in unholy sex, it's not because you love your partner. It's because you love yourself. And if you are engaged in sex with somebody that you are not married to, you are involving yourself with someone who is in love with themselves. If you cannot be in a holy relationship outside of marriage without sex, then you are engaging with someone who is unholy. Lovers of God carefully evaluate every thought, every word, every deed in light of living in the presence of a holy God. This is what distinguishes us from the world. And that's why if you claim to be a Christian, you claim to be a lover of God, you cannot be deceived by the false teachers that want to erode the holy standards of God. The church used to use this Latin word to describe what we're talking about. The word is corum deo. It means in the presence of God. What, how would it change your life? If you had a conscious awareness that God sees everything you do, knows everything you think, and hears every word you say every minute of the day. Think that might change your behavior? That's what lovers of God do. Lovers of God are heartless. That word heartless means without natural affection. When you love yourself, you lose your heart for those who are hurting. Too often, I want to analyze why people are hurting. Well, if they hadn't have done that, if they'd made a different choice five years ago, they wouldn't be in that situation. They've, they've kind of hurt themselves, and so it's hard for me to, to express compassion on that person. You know why? That's because I'm heartless. I love myself. But lovers of God bleed with compassion for the vulnerable, 
They're able to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. But if you love yourself, you can only rejoice when, when good stuff happens to you. And then you sit as a judge over what happens to everybody else. People that you have no idea what their backgrounds are, no ideas what kind of things that they've gone through. It's because you're heartless. All right, how are you doing so far? Does anybody want to leave? There's like, we're halfway through. I mean, it, gets, it gets worse. I just want to warn you. You want to come up for air a little bit here? All right, anybody just want to repent? Anybody want to get saved like right now? Because we can take care of that. Let's keep going. Lovers of self are unappeasable. It's an interesting word. It means that you're unapproachable. It means that you're unreasonable. It means that you're unteachable. You're engaged in what's called confirmation bias. You know what that means? It's like you've already set your mind about what you believe and you just go look for sources to confirm what you believe and you ignore every contrasting view. You don't read anybody or listen to anybody that disagrees with you. You don't try to think, you, you don't think that you need to learn or grow in any way. You've just made up your mind and you're set in your ways. You listen only to voices that agree with you and you declare war on anybody who disagrees with you. You're quick to defend, rationalize, excuse, and blame others. You withhold forgiveness from those who have hurt you because of your independent spirit, guess what? People don't wanna be in relationship with you. You can't stay in relationship, partnerships, marriages, or churches. Lovers of God, on the other hand, are teachable. They realize, I don't know anything. I could be wrong. I wanna listen to the other perspective and, and I want to understand you know, God's view on the world. They're peacemakers. They're committed to be ambassadors for broken relationships in the world. They want to reconcile because we've been reconciled by God. Lovers of self are slanderous. Do you see the word? The Greek word for slanderous is where we get our word diabolical from. It means devilish or of the devil. Slander is speaking a false accusation against someone to destroy their reputation. That's what the devil does before God about you. He's an accuser. He slanders you before God. Slander is demonic. And if you are engaged in it, you are under the spirit of the devil. Lovers of self are slanderous, but lovers of God use words to honor, defend, and gently correct others. They use words to build up rather than tear down. They understand that the power of life and death is in the tongue. They understand how it can set a world on fire or how it can quench the thirst of another person. Lovers of self lack self-control. That can be translated impotent or powerless. It means they've lost the ability to say no to sin. It means that they're addicted to behaviors that fuel their self-love. I know many of you have all kinds of different relationships with food and sex and, uh, and drink and sleep and screens. Listen, all of those things can be enjoyed in moderation, but once they begin to get a grip on your heart because 
they're fueling your self-love, you've lost control of the ability to regulate those things. You know, you all made it to church, congratulations on a Sunday morning. I know it's hard to get to church on a Sunday morning. I've, I've said many times that in order for our family to get to church on Sunday morning, we have to prepare to get to church. We have to start preparing to get to church on Sunday morning at nine o'clock p.m. on Thursday, right? It's hard to get to church. I get that. But so often we make the excuse that, um, man, it was just too hard to get to church on Sunday morning. Listen, the reason you didn't get to church on Sunday morning is not because you don't love God. It's because you spent Saturday loving yourself. Getting to church on Sunday is a Saturday decision. And you have to have a little bit of self-control to shut it off, get to bed, and get up in the morning in order to get to church. That's what lovers of God do. Lovers of God value discipline because they recognize the addictive power of sin. They realize their ultimate goals of developing character and intimacy with God and relationship with family, none of those things can be achieved without discipline. And so they're willing to delay their desire for immediate gratification in order to accomplish their goal because they understand the addictive power of sin. Lovers of self are brutal, brutal. It means not tame savage. You're like an animal. You prey on weakness. You mercilessly, you mercilessly destroy anyone who stands in the way of what you want. And what people don't realize is as you love yourself, you make yourself very hard to love. Who wants to be around somebody who's brutal? Lovers of God sacrificially lay down their lives to love others. They yield their rights rather than claim their rights. They have what Jesus called a meek spirit. You say meek sounds like weak. Meekness is the most powerful force on the planet. Jesus was meek. Lovers of self hate what is good. Do you see that? They don't love what's good. They only love what's good for themselves rather than what God says is good. And they're jealous anytime something good happens to somebody else. Lovers of God, on the other hand, they rejoice when good stuff, they love it when good things happen to other people. They love it when other people get the credit. They love to see other people prosper. They love when somebody else receives a pay raise. They don't grumble and complain that that didn't happen to me. Lovers of self are treacherous. It's an interesting word, isn't it? Someone who's treacherous is a traitor. They're backstabbing. They're disloyal. And they're ready to betray friends whenever it benefits them. And this is what happens with treacherous people. They disappear at the first sign of weakness in a relationship. They're nowhere to be found when you need them because they're in love with themselves. The time that they need you to love them, they're off loving themselves. Lovers of God are loyal when friends and family disappoint them. Lovers of God keep their commitments. Lovers of God stick around when times get tough. Lovers of self are reckless. 
Those who are reckless are foolish. They live for immediate gratification with no thought of long-term consequences. They take... They refuse to take responsibility for damage that they've caused, but lovers of God embrace responsibility. They live in light of eternity. They're constructive rather than, de- rather than destructive, and they leave a legacy. They build this wonderful foundation for family to build on because they've taken responsibility. Lovers of self are swollen with conceit, It's an interesting phrase there. It literally means this. It means that they are wrapped in smoke. It's a figurative picture. You ever gotten up on one of those early mornings around here when it's just absolutely foggy and you can't see anywhere in front of you? That's what it means to be swollen with conceit. You can't see in front of you. You're blind. You're blind to your own need. You're blind to your own sin. You can't think of anything to repent of. You can listen to a message like this. It's like, that was such a nice message for my children, my wife. I know a few people. I'm going to send that to some people I know. Swollen with conceit. These people are impressed with how much they've been in church, how much they've served. They're impressed with how much Bible that they've put in their head. Do you know the difference between swelling and growth? You, you know, both make things bigger. If I run my head as fast as I can into that steel beam over there, within a matter of seconds, my head will get bigger. That is not an indication I have grown. <laughs> Putting Bible knowledge in your head may produce swelling rather than growth. Lovers of self are swollen with conceit, but lovers of God are humbled by how much they still need to learn. They're hungry for truth. They're self-aware of areas where they don't have it figured out. One more. Can you handle one more? Lovers of self are lovers of pleasure. They're consumed with the pleasures of this world, pleasures that God created And yet, as much as they consume pleasure, they're never satisfied. They have to increase the hit. They have to increase the quantity. They have to increase the frequency of the pleasure. And yet, they're never satisfied. But lovers of God worship the giver of all good pleasures. They recognize that God created nothing that can bring satisfaction to my soul other than Him. And those good pleasures are meant to lead me to the the giver of all good pleasures. They're willing to delay in indulgent pleasure now because they know that they will spend an eternity having their soul satisfied in the pleasure of knowing Jesus. So, congratulations. You just listened to a 34-point sermon. If you're patting yourself on the back, remember the swollen and conceit thing. It's so easy to slip back into this stuff. So what are we going to do with all that? Listen, we can't just kind of wrap up and get out of here and go do our thing, right? So, so here's the day. Here's the deal. You, you, you got you to rehearse this in your soul. So easy to let self-love creep into our lives. And I'm telling you, this is a, an especially dangerous temptation for people who live in America, in the Midwest, 
in suburbs, who have money to spend, who have nice amenities, you have discretionary time, discretionary income. And God says, be careful not to waste your life loving yourself. Here's the good news for those that love themselves. God loves lovers of self. So much so that he sent Jesus to come and die for those who love themselves. And you know what Jesus taught? The only way to actually truly love yourself, he taught it one day. He said this, the only way to save your life is to lose it. It's to deny yourself. Ultimately, if you love yourself, you want what's good for you for eternity. And Jesus said the only way to get what's coming in eternity is to deny yourself now. It's to give up. It's to lose. It's to forfeit. It's to surrender your life, your life and your love for self to become a lover of God. You do that initially when you come to Christ in salvation. If you've never done that, repent of sin. Humble yourself. Cast yourself on the grace of God. Acknowledge I'm a lover of self. I'm addicted to myself. I want to break up. I want to become a lover of God. Receive the forgiveness and the grace of God. But listen, that starts the process every day of the rest of your life to break up with yourself, to live your life in light of living in the presence of a holy God. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes. You might even sense the need to turn, get on your knees as an act of humility before the Lord. Maybe the Lord used one of those specific characteristics to shoot an arrow into your heart. Would you have to say, I've been brutal. I've been slanderous. I've loved money. I've loved pleasures more than I've loved God. What changes does that mean? Does that mean you need to Go create a budget where you move giving at the top of the list. Before you spend it, before you save it, you give it away. Does that mean that you go back and seek forgiveness from someone you've brutalized with your words? Does it mean you go back and take responsibility for the damage you've caused? Does it mean you go and reconcile a relationship? You become teachable and open because you've been unappeasable as a lover of self. Father, I think all of us can admit that we find ourselves on that list at times. But I pray that today would be a turning point for me, for our church. Lord, we live in difficult days where men and women are lovers of self, I pray that our church would be distinct as lovers of God. And as we leave this place and head into our community, and people would see there's something different about you. And give us opportunities to share that that difference is because we're in love with a holy God who offers grace, forgiveness, for people like us who've loved themselves. Do that work in us. 
May it be the repeated testimony of people that we hear who come and hear the truth, repent of sin, and become lovers of God. Make it practical for us in the way that we spend our time, the way we spend our money. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.